0: did.
1: <laughs> Forgot. <laughs> okay, welcome to the Talking with Apes podcast. This is our very first podcast and we'll be tackling one of the most important issues uh, of today's day and age. The wealth gap. It is growing. We all know it's there, but unfortunately, we don't really seem to have a solution. So we'll discuss some of those later. But right now, let's just look at how big it is at the moment. At this very moment, uh, the world's net wealth belongs to the top 1% of people. We have heard Bernie say it. We have heard you know, many leftist politicians complain about this. But yeah, we, we, we agree. It is an atrocity that the top 10% of adults hold 80% of the world's wealth. This is not just a thing that's going on in the US. It's a thing that is happening in Europe. It's a thing that is happening... In this world, these numbers are concerning the globe. Um, so yeah, uh, I will ask my two apes I have sitting here. What what do you what do you think? What are some of the solutions that you have written down, or like little parts of the solution? Because of course, this is a very big issue, and mm, there's not one solution, unfortunately.
0: Um, I guess I can start and. Um Let's start with one of the most, like, softer things we can do. I mean, I'm going full social democrat here. Uh, this isn't even, like, socialism or anything, just social democracy. And um, in that case, we have to look at where we come from. Our uh, social welfare states in Europe, like Belgium, which is one of the most, like, well-built-out social welfare states. Um, we have... Um, we have health care for everyone. We have... Compensation if people lose their job or if they are technically uh, without a job for a, for a certain amo- uh, amount of time. All those things used to be funded by incredibly big uh, redistribution and by incredibly big uh, taxes on um, the wealthy and the rich in society. And then during Thatcher's period and Reagan's period in the US, all those taxes were lowered uh, in favor of the idea of trickle-down economics. Uh, the idea that if we don't tax it's those wealthy bullshit. people, <laughs> yes, it's it is, is bullshit. bullshit. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but it's the idea that if we don't tax the wealthy, then they'll invest their money and they'll create more jobs, and hence we'll we'll see more welfare for the general population. Now, fifty years down the line, and we know that it's just bullshit. So why not hi- write that historic wrong to begin with, and tax these people again at what is it, ninety percent, at some point? Uh, or at least 70, 80% uh, above certain uh, amounts of, of wealth that they had about uh, above certain levels of income they had. I mean, I think it was if you earn more than a million or something, you get taxed at 70, 80%. That is a historic flaw, a historic mistake that was made. And I would argue one of the best and biggest things we can do is restore that. And we'll already be in a position where our social welfare state will be able to function again, which it hasn't for the past 50 years because it has no resources to work with.
1: Yeah, because you would be getting so many more taxes compared to the situation right now, you mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, think about it. We do have all these benefits at the moment, um, but they are incredibly costly. That is correct. They they cost a lot. caring for elderly people, you know, paying their pensions, it costs a lot, uh, paying for education, subsidizing people in, in their education, it costs a lot. All these things cost a lot, and that is true, but they were affordable in the past because the state had a lot of money coming in from people that already were in a comfortable position to pay for those things themselves and didn't need them. So the entire idea was a redistribution effort. Now we did away with the money the state had coming in but we are still paying out all the other social benefits. Of course, that doesn't work. The system is broken because it doesn't have any input anymore. It just has output. So restoring that would go, uh, would go a long way.
1: Yeah, there is uh, something to say to... At what point does a person have enough money where you can basically almost tax them at 100%?
0: I mean, I guess we have made the joke. Beyonce is the example of that. Uh, yeah. She has, she has eight hundred million. I, I believe that you know the Beyonce like border <laughs> is is there. You know you have succeeded at life, Congratulations, go find something else to do. I guess <laughs> become a painter, become a dancer, anything. But you are in a position where you there's. Wealth will not help you anymore in life. More wealth will not help you.
1: Yeah, so might as well contribute to the community and make sure that the world you live in is actually still, you know, benefiting from the work you're putting in.
0: Exactly.
2: Indeed. Um, yeah, we, we made the job before, like uh, like you said, it's the Beyonce limit. Once you uh, reach the Beyonce limit, congratulations, you won at life. Now can we please think about society and the the thing people don't realize, I think, is when we talk about taxing the wealthy or taxing uh, rich people, a lot of people get to the uh, get their red scare triggered, and they're like, "Oh no, they're coming for my money!" And I'm a successful doctor, I'm a successful engineer. Why do you want to tax me? We're not taxing you, idiot. We're taxing the be the beyond the Beyonces of the world, like Beyonces, is- the Jeff Bezos of the world. <laughs> yes, like. Don't worry about your uh, your your pension money or your uh, little uh, mi- middle class <laughs> apartment in the suburbs or whatever. Don't worry, buddy.
0: You're not even anywhere near the people we want to tax. Yeah, you're not
2: even in the conversation, really. I know you like to think of yourself so much better than the people benefiting from these taxes and these benefits, but you have like you are way closer to these people than you will ever be to a Beyonce. So. Not in the not just in the coolness factor, but also in the wealth factor, which is what's important. So yeah, um, like you said, it's it's a system that is broken. Unfortunately, it used to have much more input. Right now, the only input is us middle class workers paying obscene taxes compared to our relative salaries. Especially when you compare when you put it in comparison with what the ultra wealthy are paying compared to their wealth
1: I mean the thing is also if you are at a certain level of health uh, of health of wealth <laughs> <And> <laughs> um, you're in tip top shape <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can basically pay someone to make it possible for you to pay as little taxes as possible so um About the Sorry.
2: Abolish lobbying.
1: <laughs> yes. So the more money you have, the easier it becomes to hoard the money, and hoarding money just hurts the economy. That you know these wealthy liberals <laughs> seem to care about so much, or neoliberals, I should say. Um, it's basically making money meaningless.
0: It's m- because if the money isn't doing anything, you destroy its value. You're destroying the value of this supposed wealth that you have
1: yeah i mean uh, back in the day a million like a millionaire used to be someone who was incredibly wealthy and nowadays like we watched citizen kane the other day and they're talking about how he spent three million on an opera building (gasps) and it's like nowadays you would be spending a fucking billion to you know for
2: three million you can't even get a shitty studio apartment really Let's be real.
1: <laughs> I mean, you depends can. on what city depends you're
2: living when, in. But... I think if you're looking for something in New York, yeah. But yeah, I have no idea about the, but like it is like you said, like we used to think a millionaire is, I used to think a million dollars is like the maximum wealth. That's like when you have just ended life. <laughs> And apparently, it's nothing. That's
1: nowadays. like a house, yeah. like a, a like a nice middle class house. Yeah. It's a million nowadays. Like if you won the Europe. lottery
2: tomorrow for a million dollars, for a million euros, I mean, I guess you could be fine, but you won't be like extremely wealthy, and you can secure a future for your future descendants or whatever.
1: I mean, that's the thing with investments. Like you can of course be like, okay, I have money, and I want this money to grow, but then you're also Hoarding, but like the thing is, we're not even talking about people that have a million. Like,
2: obviously, not it's just like a million is nothing, that's the point.
1: Yeah, and then of course, like, okay, so let's say we we tax the rich, exactly. (laughs) Um,
0: and that's to you is the the softest. I mean, that is a full on, we're talking about to be clear, this was what the social welfare state was, this is what social democrats had envisioned and, and had built. We're talking New Deal stuff. Yeah, exactly, we're, we're just talking 50 years ago, pre-Thatcher, pre-Reagan, this is what the social democrats in Belgium, like the SPI and the PS, in other places, uh, in all over Europe, you had social democracy parties. This is what these guys did, and the social democrats are amongst, or were amongst the softest of the, on the left, um, you
1: know, i mean yeah uh, they they also wanted the, to for example have inheritance tax right that was that was even, pretty high
0: I mean if somebody else wants to raise that as their preferred issue, I'm welcome to discuss that, but that was even a liberal idea mm. that was a liberal idea interesting
1: yeah, yeah i i I think inheritance tax is also an important one to address because it's often overlooked and it contributes to how easy it is to accumulate wealth. And it also plays in very nicely with the social inequality we see between, for example, immigrants and people that have lived in a country like for generations. Like in the US, for example, comparing white people to black people, the generational wealth you have just if you own a house because prices are going up so much, for example, like your parents maybe bought a house for $30,000 at the time, and now it costs $2 million. You know, like that sort of investment and accumulation of wealth is also often overlooked when we look at these disparities between communities.
2: So an inheritance tax would be... Uh- all assets, what do you think? Like, do you think once a person is dead that their assets should be redistributed by the state, not be inherited to their children? I
1: mean, I think that children could inherit it, but only to a certain amount. Um, so like, for example, if there's like five houses and $5 million, like, you know, maybe look at either they have to buy back some of the houses or they can only keep as many houses as they can possibly live in. You know, if that family has ten children, I think it should be handled differently if the like compared to if the family has one child, you know?
2: I don't know. For some reason I always think of disaster scenarios where how can the wealthy um, abuse this system and you look for all the loops? You could just have adopt ten children before you die. You
0: could, um, but if but you then adopt, those, still those yeah. ten children still each have one of those places. Fair, so, but what, what we enjoy inco- jointly. Yeah, true.
1: Like you but still distribute move. the wealth over ten adoptive children who probably would have never grown up with a house of their own. Like, it's still better than what's <laughs> happening right now. Yeah, what's
0: happening right now is. Uh, I'm sure there's still like a dozen more loopholes that yeah, could be yeah, found. exactly. But the idea is maybe we should start looking at it differently than and we are currently doing. Because, oh, yeah, definitely. I yeah, mean, and
1: again, it's not about parents inheriting their house to their child, you know? Like, if, if you have a normal family... Yeah, no,
0: this is about your third boat, which you have, like, registered in the Cayman Cayman Isle Islands and uh, the, the fifth mansion somewhere in the Swiss Alps or whatever.
1: Yeah, and it's about buying real estate just for the sake of investment, which thrives up the price of real estate all over the world and which makes it possible for low-income people to live anywhere yeah, like,
0: London is a prime example of that one
1: yeah, but it's it's happening all over Europe and I mean it has been happening in the US for even longer so it's there is so many uh, things that used to be safety measures so these things couldn't happen and now it seems like they have been chipped away for so long that the wealth gap can just grow uncontrollably
2: yes it is insane how even with how struggling the welfare system
0: it is right now
2: for example in Belgium some political parties are still trying to dismantle it even more
0: yeah because of the, the and then there's stupid excuses of course like well there isn't enough money to pay for everything well of course there isn't enough money to pay for anything you just you know got rid of all the money you got coming in that was the same ide- that was the same parties Came up with those ideas, um, and the the inheritance tax one, like I said, is a it's it was a, originally a liberal idea because in in opposition to the aristocracy, which got all its wealth through inheritance, the liberals and the bourgeoisie was like, maybe this is an unfair system, you know, you shouldn't inherit an entire head start of like millions and 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 later on billions, you shouldn't just start with that because it makes you per definition unequal to other people that don't have that. Um, And your wealth should come, if anything, from your own actions and from your own smarts. Um, In the liberal world where uh, every man with his smarts and
2: his work will definitely get there if they just work hard enough. But even these people thought inheritance was, oh, that's a bit too unfair, buddy.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, we're, we are talking, like, early liberal liberalism, um, but still, they had a very clear idea, and that is, yep. you know, you have to get there on your own effort.
2: And, yeah, it's also very fair, like, to... Of course, the inheritance is is a problem, and it could be maybe a part of the solution, but honestly, when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, we can't even tax these people when they're alive. Are we going to be able to tax them when they're dead, you know?
0: <laughs> but are we unable? <laughs> Or do we not want to? Uh, I mean, well, and, th- with mu- and with we, I mean our government.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. Are we our government, really? <laughs> that's the thing also. We mentioned lobbying before, and that's that's the problem. When, when you have so much wealth, you start to influence government. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, this is... It's unfixable. I know we are here to discuss solutions... But, like, when you think of it, like, when there is so much wealth that it influences government. I mean, I don't know about Belgium or Europe in general, but because of the last five, six years in the US, we have all been very invested in US politics. And I've learned much more about US politics than I want to. And I learned about lobbying and I learned about how mm-hmm. even something as you know, like here in Belgium, when you get, when you want to fill your end of year taxes, you just get a bill from the government in the U S you have to do all of the work. Why do you have to do all of the work? Because fucking tax companies who develop tax software and tax services are lobbying with the government to keep doing taxes difficult. And it's like, (laughs) it is so backwards. And you know, if, if, if you as a government body or a politician you want to be elected again, it seems to be like you shouldn't care about your citizens. You should care about the people who are paying you. That, so, I mean,
0: that is more true in the US than here, where yes. even but there even money is even uh, an even bigger part of campaigning and of politics. Um, but I guess it, it it does depend also on how well you are organized as a as a citizenry. I mean even in the U.S., there is an example that you know people can influence the political spectrum. Bernie Sanders was an example of that, um, and while he might not have won, it was still an, he he still came relatively close, and he was extremely popular. and His ideas are now widespread, and so you know another piece of foundation is is laid for for somebody else to build on, or for him to build on a second time or a third time. Or how many times Bernie has tried by now. Yeah. Keep going, Bernie. But <laughs> hopefully he stays alive long and, enough. And the AOC is an example of people like electing in somebody that they that they trust and that I see what you're talking about, but at the
2: same time I'm a bit skeptical about actual laws and actual policies. These people, yes, they get popular and they get maybe even elected like AOC. But mm-hmm. the actual policies seem to be never influenced by what the people want. We only accept We only accept it when it makes profit. For example, like well, with the LGBT pride and stuff, like it's just a bit, like you know, it's a bit, it feels a bit weird when every year Apple and all of these companies are like, yes, pride," and it's like clearly. It's, it's a market thing. It's never about uh, It's always about the profit, never about what the constituent wants or what the citizen wants.
1: But I mean, I think people like AOC are actually trying to really fight for what the citizen wants. I think there are those politicians out there, but they are also facing an incredible opposition, which doesn't end a, an incredible lobby, as we have discussed. Yeah. And that just makes it really hard to, to really bring about change Um, and I think a big part is also like the education that people have received over the years like you know thinking about how my parents were thought about economics like it was all very I don't know how to describe it like pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just (laughs) make it happen you know like you if you're not lazy you can live the dream and uh yeah like my dad studied economics for a while and this whole idea of having a capital capitalism save the day over and over it was really ingrained in their in their brains so of course that with is still reflected in today's politics because us Gen Zers slash millennials aren't really like devoting power yet. And mm. Yeah, where
0: I mean do keep in mind there is barely any I mean the, the the past generation is still mostly in power, uh both in economical sense and in political sense. And also consider the US one has to come from further in terms of redistribution and, and uh, social standing and, or social standing and social uh, issues than for example European countries in which social democracy was way further developed and implemented um, and the US has a two-party system which makes it a lot harder yes, true. to implement big swooping changes it seems um, yeah, just like when I think like when we're talking about
2: the worst and we want to talk about the issue for some reason I always go to the US because it just shows me like what if we push this to its worst case scenario? <laughs> That's the worst case scenario. That's how rampant it could it can be soon in Europe. You know, even with something as simple as like the idea of Trumpism. Yeah. Yeah, you like you saw how instant the influence was in Europe. It was just like like that. We were holy shit, we are back to Nazis? What the fuck is going on?
1: I mean the Nazis were never really gone. Yeah, I know, but still like
2: <laughs> for them to be able to talk about what they want publicly, that's new, no?
1: I mean, Belgium also has horrible journals. <laughs> 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 like, I don't know. If if I look if I watch German uh, news because I am German, um and I understand the language, Uh, I do never see also, like, or almost I see, like, I almost never see, there now I have it, uh, people of the, the AFD, like the fascist party, talk for a longer time on television without a journalist, like, questioning them extremely critically. And in Belgium you just turn on the TV and you see the most right-wing party arguing with the fascist party as if those are like the two opinions <laughs> there are in this country. <laughs> I mean to and be
0: fair to the Walloons.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. they, they, yeah. they, they, well, they so
0: don't uh, talk with the fascists. <laughs> so Walloons.
1: Yeah, but you, they speak you. French. I don't understand yeah. fucking French. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I think for, see, that's for where uh, you lost <laughs> us Vladimir. For anybody was not from Belgium. I think uh let me clarify something. We live in Belgium and Belgium have a north party, and a south party. The north part of Belgium speaks Dutch. We call it Vlandrin. The south part of uh, Belgium is called Wallonia, and we call them the Walloons. And, and they th- speak French. And they speak French. <laughs> here they speak the Dutch, here in the northern parts. And we, mm. it's, I think it's fair to say that these two parts have extremely different politics.
1: Yeah, like the, the Flemish part is pretty right-wing compared to other European countries, and the south part is pretty left-wing. <laughs> Or and so they
0: are portrayed, but that's a rabbit hole for another episode. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like I wanted to give, a, because we might Cold have text. some people
1: yeah. uh,
2: who are listening who are not from but, Belgium.
1: But talking about the way that Belgium was built and uh, constructed, let's talk about colonialism.
2: <laughs> Ooh, fun. <laughs>
1: because uh, I, I saw that you were also mentioning that in your notes, Tom. Like, how do we deal with the damage done in the past Uh
0: yeah, I mean, if we're talking, um, it's interesting because we've talked about the wealth within a generation, within a, within a thing with the redistribution of what you make uh, in, in terms of money as an individual, uh, the money you inherit, so wealth inequality over over the generations, and one of the biggest examples of that, but also an example of wealth inequality between states themselves yes. is, of course, colonialism and what it has left us with. Um, I mean, we cannot deny that the European countries uh, and America as well uh, are left with a giant colonial treasure hoard. Not that we have a pile of gold lying somewhere, but we do have, for example, the stations, the infrastructure, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the investments, a lot of the industry, uh, all of those things. Still some
1: land too.
0: Still land, yeah, all of these things, have been funded by plundering other countries. So, of course, we cannot talk about, you know, reducing inequality without reducing the inequality between what is um, sometimes, uh, it's it's always difficult, but what is recently called the global north and the global south. I always have to watch out with the terms that are being used, but... I mean, basically, the, the the industrialized countries most mostly, uh, and that includes Japan, for example, and, and uh, South Korea. So it's not really just a Western thing anymore. Uh, it's but not, it's never been.
2: No, and it's never been, but... But to be fair, who started the colonialism and the imperialism?
0: It's definitely, yeah. I mean, we definitely kick-started <laughs> colonialism yes. in Europe. Um,
1: White men. <laughs> tra-
0: trendsetters. <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, definitely. The Brits, the Belgians, oh, for the example. Dutch, yes, uh, the Spanish, our favorite people, really. Like,
1: everybody. Like, yeah, you as a Middle Eastern. You as a Middle Eastern. You must like, love the Brits and yes, the French. The Brits
2: especially. Like, gotta love the Brits. God, God <laughs> save the Queen.
0: <laughs> but yeah, um, we can't... Any, any discussion about inequality uh, can't go without the inequality between between yes. those, those places on, the, yeah, on a but big scale, on the global but scale. But you
1: say that so, you know, as if it's the most normal thing in the world, but I think usually when we discuss inequality, we don't think about the global inequality. We really don't. We, we think about the inequality within Europe or within America. Like, we think about people in our own country suffering. And, like, I'm not... I don't agree with that, obviously, but, like, I do want to... Point out that you know that some people might consider you a bit radical for saying that we need to go back and solve all the injustices that has happened in the last two hundred years. Well, or... not every,
0: not every injustice <laughs> that happened in the last two hundred years, obviously, but I mean, and and it doesn't take away the fact that there is an incredible inequality gap between people in in or between the European states and, for example, the African states doesn't the doesn't take away from the fact that within europe there is incredible inequality of itself i mean uh, countries like poland or moldova or they, they have extremely terrible uh, situations for people to live in uh, extremely bad situations sometimes uh, that doesn't t- those people are no are of course not privileged just simply because they live in europe some of them have no access to whatever uh, inheritance the European states have from that colonial time. Um, they live in buildings that might be near collapsing or something. So, of course, that is still a truth in and of itself. It's just that if we look at it at a global scale, it turns out that those people are in the same situation as people on the other side of the planet. And it makes less sense to think of it in terms of the country itself and between countries on, on, on themselves. And as much as in just a a group of people that is incredibly wealthy because of that colonial inheritance and other people that are not, regardless of where they live or not.
2: I mean, honestly, like 100 or 150 years ago, I think it would have been... The conversation we're having right now would have been much more about states, about the difference between India and British, for example. But now with a globalized economy... It's much more about just a group of people, no matter where the fuck they live. It's just these group of people. Like I will tell you about uh, wealthy people from Syria who have offshore accounts in Switzerland. You know, like the Assad regime and the Makhloufs, who are like uh, the economical masters of Syria. And like these are Syrians. They they were they never inherited any uh, imperial or colonial uh, treasures. They were they are just <laughs> assholes. And because of a globalized economy, they managed to take advantage of a situation that, yes, fairly was created by the Brits, by the uh, mostly by the Brits and the French, but like by general by the colonials and the imperialists. And these people came along, and it's not that Syria is a poor country now. It's just this kind of what what that blundering you talked about. It just allowed the environment a very nice environment for such assholes to flourish. And they took advantage of it. So yes, I think when we're talking about like how do we fix this, it is two different fights to talk about the inequality within one country or within one society. And it is another fight to talk about inequality that has happened because of years of colonialism and imperialism. And how to fix that, I honestly have no idea because it is just... It's very complicated. It is extremely complicated. Because, well, what do, what do you do? Do you just like make the US or make Britain pay a shit ton of money? I mean, the British state doesn't even have money. That's our problem here. The states don't have money anymore. It's all in the hands of the fucking corporations.
0: Yeah, and you, I mean, you, one, one first thing that could be uh, uh, probably a good step is to, one, recognize it. Which some countries like Belgium still haven't done. Mm -hmm. Um, And second, war operations, which of course. I mean,
1: Belgium doesn't have a colonial past, does it? Oh, that that was sarcasm
0: (laughs) for the people who have. That was sarcasm.
1: (laughs) I mean, Leopold, he built such beautiful stations. Uh, How could we be mad at that?
2: My favorite train station,
0: (laughs) Antwerp Station. Uh, I mean but th- Germany had to pay the rest of Europe war reparations how come Europe doesn't get to pay war reparations to the rest of Because uh, that was
1: not white it,
0: people It didn't happen fast <laughs> enough too Yeah it's but it's uh, I mean the laughter is completely incorrectly in, I mean the, the the laughter is completely correct because it's absurdity
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it, it is an, it is literally it's it's basically racism too. like you know, like, yeah, wh- why I do you, do if you pay, if you kill French people, you have to pay them a shit ton of money. If you, you know, enslave and, you know, torture a whole country in Congo and chop off their hands, it's like, oh, yes, Whoopsie doopsie. <laughs> You
2: know what's the solution for that? You mm. know, like, do what the US basically did. Go to a country, um murder most of its uh, native (laughs) citizens, kill basically all of them, and then when there's like a hundred people left, you'll be like, hey, native Americans, we love you so much, here's some like benefits and stuff. Hmm. That's what the US did. So you don't need to... uh, I mean,
1: that's basically... I mean, Belgium did... Did that too? Like, if you want to come to Belgium now and you're Congolese, you can, but you have to become a full Belgian then. Like, you can't just come here. That is so problematic. I know it's it's fucked up, but we yeah, are st- we are we are straying Belgium away. Belgium is still the-
0: regularly asked for advice when issue on issues concerning. Yes, the you Congo. have ruined that country for centuries,
2: probably. Yes. Like the Brits ruined the Middle East. Yeah. like uh, it is. The US ruined Iraq.
1: But I think like. Coming back to the wealth inequality issue, I think, I mean, of course, I don't know the, the full solution, but I think we need to definitely like, start acting locally as soon as possible. I think politics needs to wake up and realize that, you know, also with automatization becoming more and more of an issue, which is going to drive wealth inequality up even more if we let it, you know... If, if if a rich company boss can just hire a bunch of robots to do all the work, and people are not needed anymore, like wh- what are you gonna do if you don't tax this person? Like how are you gonna pay the people to so they can survive that are being let off if you don't tax that company boss? So I think Europe really needs to wake up and realize that the future is gonna have to be with more taxation of the witch and once we get our shit together here i think we can start like i think you know of course this has to happen also as soon as possible but maybe it's going to be harder to implement changes there because of course you also don't want to be like the fucking white savior comes in and like is like here is the way that we do it and Misha, it works great Misha. yeah <laughs> yeah game of thrones reference there yes. um, <laughs> um so like we need to work on that realization of we are one globe with like where there is people that need help in general but i also think there is an issue with us coming in and being like, hey, this is how you can fix it because... I don't
2: think that's what should be happening, but definitely you should... Here's the thing. You could start locally and definitely we should all start locally within our own communities, within our own societies. And the first thing you can do is just like make people aware, make people more informed, and which is like a big purpose of talking with apes in general. And the thing is like, it's, it reminds me of... a an analogy I'm going to make here is like with the coronavirus vaccine development. Why has the corona vaccine, like how did the vaccine get developed so fast compared to other vaccines, for example? And what they did was, instead of going through things linearly, instead of doing step one, step two, step three linearly, they started all of the steps together. And I think with the same inequality stuff, you, you could argue that you could first do the local and then do the global and then do and then and then. But you could also start all of the steps globally, uh, parallelly, you know, like start with the local and at the same time start with the global too. You know, it's, it's not that hard. And especially we are like the reason why that they did that with the vaccine is. There is no time and honestly, right now with climate change and automation and so many problems facing this fucking planet, we do not have a lot of time. And I do think that fixing the wealth inequality, it is like one of the best things we could do to move forward.
0: And it works because we have proof of what you're saying. The European Union is that, that was, I mean, an entire continent was devastated after two world wars (coughs) <coughs> which they got themselves. um, but nonetheless, that was the situation. And then a union, an economic single market was uh, created. Not that I'm arguing in favor of capitalism here, but a um, place was created in which those countries, you know, abolished the limits between themselves, basically, you know, broke away the borders a bit, not completely yet. And there's still a lot of borders up, even in the economic sphere but they started treating each other as equal and as one group, they started working together. And what we have seen is that, yes, a lot of money sometimes goes from countries like uh, Germany and the Netherlands to other countries in the European Union. But as those countries that receive more money, as their economy grows and develops, so does the economy of the Netherlands and Germany and its neighbors, Yes, the union as a whole gets stronger because each part of it grows and gets stronger, and that's an example of what it would mean, I think, to to write wor- to those global uh, wrongs. If you just start, you know, n- treating other countries and in an equal partnership, um, I honestly think that is like is is one of the easier
2: and one of the best steps we could make. Because right now, for some reason, for some goddamn reason, everybody thinks that. If we succeed, if we want to succeed, they have to fail, and it's just not like that. If if you look at the whole globe, like honestly, out of all the capitalist and the modern ideas we got, I always, despite all of them, but globalization has always held kind of a a sweet spot for me, like a one global entity where all of the people are one people. That is what's gonna. Get us out of this, I think. And like you said, like the European Union experience, of course you're still gonna keep the cultural borders. We're not gonna become one people. We're not uh, We're not arguing for a unit. A uniformity, unif- no. <laughs> no, that's not yeah, what we're arguing everyone for. Everyone
0: can do whatever the fuck they like.
2: It's just like, if we work all for the same purpose, I do think it will become much easier than just focusing on, on our, lo- our own little, like even here on a Belgian level, the Flemish are like, we're focused only on the Flemish and it's a problem. You, you know, that yeah, just gets we, you nowhere.
1: We won't fix the big challenges coming on like towards us like automation, climate change, wealth inequality. We won't fix them if we think within our own little bubble. Honestly, the biggest example, global pandemic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. These these challenges have to be, you know, faced head on by all nations together. And I think this is actually a really beautiful spot to maybe wrap up the first podcast. Um, and yeah, like, so let's let's start working on that. Get Shall
0: to we do a summary? Yeah. So we have one, great redistribu- redistribution. Got all of those pre-Tatcher taxes. <laughs> uh, two, inheritance tax. High inheritance tax, yeah. And three... <clears throat> neocolonialism please abolish it
2: <laughs> yes please do and it's just a change in mentality really it's not anything really big there is no big change of policies you do not need to as a as a wealthy country as a wealthy country you don't need to pay half of your money to a poor country that's not what we're talking about we're just talking about a change of mentality where you care about those people as much as you care about your own people and believe me you will become of better
1: <laughs> yeah you do benefit from that and i also wanted to add that um you know what we said before it's really not about taxing your uh doctor your, your that makes doctor, yeah, yeah like uh, it's about taxing people that are insanely rich and that are getting to the wealth of whole countries and this is just not something we want to see in the future in our future because let's be honest these people are going to be dead soon like yes. some of them at <laughs> least <laughs> so uh, yeah let's let's make sure that they, when they die they also take with them that system of inequality and yeah
2: it is funny that these old people are like coming on pensions now like we're not coming on pensions millennials gen z's we are, we are afraid of future problems like climate change and stuff, but like these boomers, they are just now retiring and they want to dismantle the social welfare system. Do we see how stupid that is? Yes. Thank <laughs> you. I'm just like, am I insane?
1: <laughs> okay, so in conclusion, let's just stop doing stupid shit. Yes, please. Thank you for listening to our first podcast and we hope to see you next week. Bye see bye. you next week. Bye. Bye.